Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, happy Sean's birthday today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Sean. She has been with us almost since the beginning of this program, and we are so grateful that she's still our executive producer and running the board and doing all this kind of cool stuff with us. Anyhow, in our program today, Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour in our national town hall meeting here. So he is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. His website is Pocan, P-O-C-A-N.com. House.gov. You can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman Pocan, welcome back to the program. What's the landscape in Washington, D.C. right now? And I hope you're feeling well. I know you had to make that trip out to D.C. Are you back in Wisconsin? Yeah. Hey, Tom. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm back in Wisconsin, but I think I'll find out later today I'm going back to D.C. next week, hopefully to vote on the CARES 2 package. Hopefully we'll get a little more detail on what's going to be in it. You know, obviously, we've all been working on trying to get various elements in it, but it looks like we're going back to D.C. next week, and some committees might start meeting next week, but we really aren't configured yet, according to the uh, House physician. So it's going to be a a little interesting, but I've uh, stocked up on masks and hand sanitizer, and I'm ready to do whatever I need to do. But spending a lot of my time this week on CARES 2, also still dealing with testing since there is no you know, national response to testing. Yeah. If you have to go back to D.C., is one of the votes you're going to hold going to be on whether you can vote remotely in the future? That's hopefully what we'll find out, supposedly. But, of course, we were told that last time, and we got a bait and switch, honestly, because last mm-hmm. minute they said the Republicans wouldn't agree to it. This time I think we're going to do a vote no matter what on allowing for at least proxy voting and hopefully some other tools to let us do things from afar. I mean, as you know, you've been in, I think, some of the congressional offices previously. Those are, I always say they're not COVID-19 friendly, and I correct myself, actually, they're very COVID-19 friendly because you're all on top of each other, and the virus would love that, and some of the right precautions in place, especially in the limited amount of time we have. So my guess is if we get back, I might have a staff person in the office with me, uh, mostly people working remotely. I may walk my two miles in every day because I'm not sure uh, you know, the House position is really warning us on taxis and, and Uber rides and other things. So it's going to be interesting, to say the least. Yeah, well, that's a nice walk. I mean, it's, it's, I've done it many times. Okay, well, if you calls are starting to come in here, you want to pick up some phone calls? Yeah, absolutely. Love to, Tom. Okay, Brian in Granville, Michigan, listening to WPRR. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Congressman. I'm looking at the situation and thinking as we come out of the coronavirus and into what's looking like a depression, one of the things we're going to have to do is tighten up the labor market. And so I'm wondering what you would think of the idea of offering early retirement uh, by offering Social Security at, say, 60 for people who are out of work currently so that they don't have to go back to work. Or even 55. Yeah, Brian, my guess is that's going to be a non-starter with the president and with Senate Republicans. There's a lot of great ideas that people have come up with that uh, are absolutely non-starters 
with, unfortunately, a Republican majority. And right now, Donald Trump is living in this fantasy uh, world that even though his own federal guidelines on how to reopen haven't been met by a single state, he's encouraging states to reopen. And we're afraid that that could be another spike. And we're we're dealing with, unfortunately, uh, mitigation still in maybe a longer stage than needs to happen because of the president's response. You know, I, I think that one of the best ideas out there right now is the idea that basically parallels what's going on in England and Denmark, where the government would pay for largely the salaries of people who are working in industries that are hurt, because that saves you having to do unemployment, that saves you having to do various food assistance programs, and uh, it helps uh, the economy continue. And I think it's gaining some steam because people are realizing the PPP um, help has been somewhat limited. It's not as easy to access. It's not as widespread, and it's probably going to end too soon. So, you know, I think we're still trying to figure out what steps are going to happen. But I think anything we figure out, we've got to do, and not in the world of, I like to compare it to fantasy baseball or fantasy football sometimes, you know, fantasy Congress. It's got to be what we think we can actually get done with a Republican majority in the Senate and a Republican president. And my guess is, even though there have been proposals to lower the age of access to Medicare and you know, all sorts of ideas out there, they've all been complete non-starters with Republican majorities. Wow. Amazing. Jim in Denver, Colorado, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Hello, sure. Congressman Pocan. I've got a simple question. Hello, I think the House should repeal the Trump, Bush, and Reagan tax cuts and repeal Taft Hartley. That would show uh, the populace, you know, the voting public, whether we're interested and enthused about uh, we don't want to cut Social Security and Medicare to fight a deficit. All right. We want our middle class back. Thanks, Jim. Yeah. So, Jim, first of all, no one has proposed cutting Medicare or Social Security. Just, I just want to put that out there, although I think a few of us are making some other strong suggestions on what we could be cutting, including defense spending. Specifically, we have suggested we can repeal those. The problem is, again, going to go back to that first statement I said, we can do things just to put a statement of values out. Absolutely. If people want to do that. But there's no way the Republican Senate or the Republican president are going to do that. And, you know, we know there's a tremendous amount of money that you could gain from that. But right now, our problem isn't so much finding the resources for the ideas because we're kind of not finding resources because we're in the middle of a pandemic. It's getting them to agree to do things that want to address this like a health crisis, because if you do that, you then address the economic crisis. And I really believe that. So right now, I think the fight we have is on all this reopening too soon without the testing capacity and the contact tracing capacity. That is going to potentially put us having another situation just like we're in right now, which would be absolutely devastating. One deep depression for two months uh, is hard enough. You do it again and uh, you'll lose many, many businesses. So arguments just to put out our set of values, vote on it, and then try to negotiate with them. There's some talk on the package we do might be a package that the Democrats are proposing. And then we're going to see what the Senate does with it. But I think we have to remember on any of these ideas, uh, until we have November election, we have and Donald Trump is the president. Yeah, and what a challenge. Back in just a moment with more of your calls for Congressman Mark Pocan on the Tom Harbin program. Stick around. Coming up on the science revolution, it's amazing. Cleaner air during the pandemic is proving the benefits of a decarbonized economy. Dr. Jay Family Eddy is here on how the number of people harmed by floods will double worldwide by 2030. In Geeky Science, don't miss the seven things that happen when you stop eating meat or eat less meat during this pandemic. And our fact of the week is about plummeting wildlife and extinctions. Check out the science revolution wherever fine podcasts are available. John in Ventura, California, listening on KPFK. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, good morning. I was wondering if it would be possible to put any money that we get on the EBT cards. Everybody's already been vetted. Just be EBT cards are food stamp cards, essentially? Yes. Yeah. Thank you, John. Uh, are you talking about the stimulus money? I'm not sure what you're talking about. I apologize. 
I'm sorry, I've dropped his call. I assume he was talking about, you know, in the next tranche, as you're getting stimulus money that's going to go to people, can we put yeah. some of that on EBT cards so they can buy food? Yeah, I don't know if they're, um, what the package will be as far as the $1,200. I have not heard necessarily a re-upping of that that's going to happen. So many of us have suggested monthly stipends to people that we want to do. I'm not sure if that will be included or not. I suppose that could be a, a way to do it, but then someone's still got to you know, produce the cards and mail the cards. I don't know how different that would be than producing or mailing a check. And the electronic transfer still of funds should be the easiest, but obviously not everyone has that, as we found from the first $1,200 disbursement. But I don't know if you know, that would necessarily speed things up in any way. But again, I'm not sure if that's a part of this next package. I think the next package, Tom, will largely be around local and state government assistance, uh, filling in the gaps where some people got left behind, and then a lot more of the priorities that Democrats wanted to do but couldn't get in that first CARES package. Yeah, I'm concerned, frankly, that if we don't start getting money into the hands of people who are out of work or have been suspended from work, I think the statistic was between a quarter and a third of America couldn't make their rent payments this month. That, yeah, I, one you know, of the big we're, problems We're facing is, a revolution here, it, metaphorically. Yeah, one of the big problems, Tom, that I found is Many of these Republican states, Florida is a classic example, have very antiquated systems for their unemployment insurance purposely because they wanted to make it hard for people to get unemployment. Right now, when many people through no fault of their own need unemployment, they're now uh, fighting these failed or failing systems. And I don't know how you address that in the, in the short term, but that is one of the real problems we're having right now. Why not have the federal government simply direct cash to people, out, you know, independent of the states? Why does it have to go through the states, uh, you know, or for that matter, through well, the banks? I guess I'm referring that's the unemployment money. I'm just saying um, that's one of the big problems. Oh, that's the $600 yeah, uh, bonus. Is that continuing? You know, was there a stopping point on that that has to be renewed? That has four months of time. The PPP loans have eight weeks of time. So I don't think they'll address something that's four months out in the next bill. I'm not sure if they're addressing PPP or not. I heard there is going to be an extension for applications, but that doesn't matter. The money's going to run out. Is there going to be an extension of money is my real question. We don't have any of these answers yet because they have not been shared. So, Tom, we're unfortunately at a little bit of a loss. There's some pretty good reporting out there that public companies that have taken these PPE loans have distributed over $700 million to their shareholders in the last few weeks. Any chance of putting a restriction on that? You can't get money from the federal government if you're paying dividends? They should absolutely do that. And I think, you know, the last time we did money, we tried to target more small business, small financial institutions. I think yeah. what you're suggesting we're seeing needs to be another stage. Yeah, this was uh, Caterpillar and Stanley Tools, I think, were the top two ones. Anyhow, we'll be back in just a moment with Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour. Stick around. In our special video over at TomHartman.com, it's the story of what the rich libertarian billionaires who have been funding the Libertarian Party and the Republican Party for, well, in a big way since the election of Ronald Reagan for the last 40 years, and have succeeded by owning politicians and owning the Republican Party in preventing us from even getting a public option, much less a national health care system. What they are doing, what their answer is, what their response is to the question, what do we do when things really go bad? When the economy is falling apart, when epidemic disease is sweeping the country, what do we do? Well, it turns out they've got an answer. It's just not an answer for all the rest of us. They're getting in their private jets and heading off to their private little bunkers. Seriously, that's what they're up to. So I, I lay out the whole story complete with details and name names over at TomHartman.com. Check it out. Thanks so much. Zoe in Encino, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good morning, Tom, and good morning to our representative. I want to thank you both for what you're doing this morning. I want to thank all the nurses, and I mm -hmm. want to ask you about contact tracing. I think we need to figure out a way to empower all people, and I wondered what you thought about that, Congressman. I know that 
people need to get busy and they need to start thinking about what they're doing in their day. What would it be like if we were to journal our contacts on a daily basis? And we shouldn't be having too many if we're really staying home and trying to follow the rules. So, Zoe, what's your question for Congressman Pocan? The question is, how can we get everybody involved with contact tracing? Because if everybody has an awareness of where they're going in a day, what about the idea of us tracing where we're going? Congressman? Yeah, Zoe, so first of all, I mean, you know, there are some apps that can help us with that. And I saw a recent survey that about half the people said they'd be willing to do that to help on some tracing efforts. But, you know, in places like Wisconsin, uh, I know we're about to hire a thousand people to do contact tracing. And, uh, you know, when you get to that right now, the goal is 1% of the population per week. And I think we're going to maybe get to that in Wisconsin. It's having those thousand people then reach out to anyone who's positive and find out who they've had contact with, reach out to them, uh, make sure they get tested and do all the things we need to do so we can really isolate this disease far better. So, you know, of course, if anyone gets this, they should reach out to anyone they've had contact with. But I think having the government have a role in this is really important. We're told it's one of the key elements for success, testing, contact tracing, and then isolation of people who do have the virus. If we do that, we're in a far better place to be able to reopen. Linda in Coconut Creek, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Pokian. Thank you, Congressman, for taking my call. I've talked to you before about our USPS pension, you know, that it's going into default. The post office is going to collapse. But I also have a UPS pension, a Teamster pension. And I got a letter yesterday that says by 2025, they will no longer be obligated to pay the pension. So is the government going to back it? You know, what's going on? Because that's my other pension that I'm about to lose. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, Linda, I can't give you a good answer to that because I know that one of the problems why we have problem with the central states fund period is because of a, a deal that happened between UPS and Teamsters a, a while back. And I can't tell you, I don't know anything about the UPS pension per se, other than, you know, it's one of the the stories out there that unfortunately is what's happened with many of these companies in uh, pulling away from their pension uh, obligations and what's out there. So because it is a private uh, pension, I, I don't have information on it, but Pension funds are feeling a little bit of a crunch right now, but not a, a tremendous crunch. So I think it has more to do with whatever agreement was originally made between you know, UPS and the employees. How about changing the rules back to the way they were before the Reagan administration, that pensions are a primary fiduciary responsibility, that you know, a company must pay their taxes, and back then they must fund their pensions and oversee them well. And then secondly, uh, change it so that corporations go back to corporations having to book pension obligations as liabilities on their balance sheet rather than pension funds as assets on their balance sheet. Yeah, I mean, Tom, we should be looking at all options. You know, the problem is the pension, as we always have, have known it, doesn't exist that much anymore outside of the union contracts. Well, because of those changes are, in the rules, in my opinion. Yeah, well, but I think, you know, just we're finding that, unfortunately, businesses aren't even providing adequate pensions. The fact that we now have maybe 70 million people who are independent contractors, which are probably in violation of the actual definition of it, means even more people don't have not only pension, but other benefits. I mean, we really have to take things back for workers, period, whether it be pensions, whether it be health insurance, whether it be other types of benefits. And I think that's, you know, incumbent on if we have a Democratic administration, we have to make serious pushes on that front. Yeah. An earlier caller asked about repealing Taft-Hartley, doing away with so-called right to work for less. Do you think, do you see that in the cards for, you know, if we get a good progressive majority after the election? Yeah, I mean, if we can do it, don't forget the Senate. You know, it's going to depend on what happens with the 60-vote rule there. And I don't think there's that many Republicans who are supportive of that. And then if the president makes it a priority, that certainly does help. Yeah. For some reason, your voice just fades out when the music comes on. I'm not sure why. But anyway, Congressman Mark Pocan is here with us for the hour, taking your calls at our national town hall meeting with the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus, Congressman Mark Pocan. Pocan.house.gov. You can tweet him at RepMarkPocan. Back with more of your calls in just a second.
Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef to you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity and what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Tom Hartman Program. For the Tom Hartman Book Club today, it's Waking the Witch, Reflections on Women, Magic, and Power by Pam Grossman. This is from the introduction. Witches have always walked among us, populating societies and storyscapes across the globe for thousands of years. From Circe to Hermione, from Morgan Le Fay to Marie Laveau, the witch has long existed in the tales we tell about ladies with strange powers who can harm or heal. And although people of all genders have been considered witches, it's a word that is now usually associated with women. Throughout most of history, she has someone to fear, an uncanny other who threatens our safety or manipulates reality for her own mercurial purposes. She's a pariah, a persona non grata, a boogie woman to defeat and discard. Although she's often been deemed a destructive entity in actuality, a witchy woman has historically been far more susceptible to attack than an inflictor of violence herself. As with other terrifying outsiders, she occupies a paradoxical role in cultural consciousness as both vicious aggressor and vulnerable prey. Over the past 150 years or so, however, the witch has done another magic trick by turning from a fright into a figure of inspiration. She is now as likely to be the heroine of your favorite TV show as she is its villain. She might show up in the form of your Wiccan co-worker 
or the beloved musician who gives off a sorcerous vibe in videos or on stage. There's also a chance that she is you, and that which is an identity you've taken upon yourself for any number of reasons, heartfelt or flippant, public or private. Today, more women than ever are choosing the way of the witch, whether literally or symbolically. They're floating down catwalks and sidewalks in gauzy black clothing and adorning themselves with Pinterest-worthy pentagrams and crystals. They're filling up movie theaters to watch witchy films and gathering in back rooms and backyards to do rituals, consult tarot cards, and set life-altering intentions. They're marching in the streets with Hex the Patriarchy placards and casting spells each month to try to constrain the commander-in-chief. Year after year, articles keep proclaiming it's the season of the witch as journalists try to wrap their heads around the mushrooming witch trend. And all of this begs the question, why? Why do witches matter? Why are they seemingly everywhere right now? What exactly are they? And why the hell won't they go away? I get asked such things over and over, and you would think that after a lifetime of studying and writing about witches, as well as hosting a witch-themed podcast and being a practitioner of witchcraft myself, my answers would be succinct. In fact, I find that the more I work with the witch, the more complex she becomes. Hers is a slippery spirit. Try to pin her down and she'll only recede further into the dark, deep wood. I do know this for sure, though. Show me your witches and I'll show you your feelings about women. The fact that the resurgence of feminism and the popularity of the witch are ascending at the same time is no coincidence. The two are reflections of each other. That said, this current witch wave is nothing new. I was a teen in the 1990s, the decade that brought us such pop culture as Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Charmed, and The Craft. Not to mention riot girls and third wave feminists who taught me that female power could come in a variety of colors and sexualities. I learned that women could lead a revolution while wearing lipstick and combat boots, and sometimes even a cloak. But my own witchly awakening came at an even earlier age. Morganville, New Jersey, where I was raised, was a solidly suburban town, but it, it retained enough natural land features back then to still feel a little bit scruffy in spots. We had a small patch of woods in our backyard that abutted a horse farm, and the two were separated by a wisp of running water that we could cross via a plank of wood. When we were little, my older sister Emily and I would sometimes venture to the other side where we could feed the horses, an act that still scares me to this day, and pick fistfuls of clover. But the majority of our time was spent on our side of the stream, threading ourselves through the thicket of trees that served as our personal forest. In one corner of the yard, a giant puddle would form whenever it rained, surrounded by a border of ferns. We called this spot our magical place. That it would vanish and then reappear only added to its mystery. It was a portal to the unknown. These woods are where I first remember doing magic, entering that state of deep play where imaginative action becomes reality. I would spend hours out there creating rituals with rocks and sticks, drawing secret symbols in the dirt, losing all track of time. It was a space that felt holy and wild, yet still strangely safe. As we age, we're supposed to stop filling our heads with such nonsense. Unicorns are to be traded in for Barbie dolls, though both are mythical creatures to be sure. We lose our tooth fairies, walk away from our wizards. Dragons get slain on the altar of our youth. Most kids grow out of their magic phase. I grew further into mine. My grandma Trudy was a librarian at the West Long Branch Library, which meant I got to spend many a long afternoon lurking between the 001.9 and 135 Dewey Decimal sections, reading about Bigfoot and dream interpretation in Nostradamus. Waking the Witch by Pam Grossman. Donna in Palatine, Illinois, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman. I want to thank you very much for not only what you're doing currently, but the fact that you were extremely instrumental for outing Alec, which was flying under the radar for decades, and I really want to thank you for that. Thank you. My, now, my question is, you know, how Republicans are thinking decades ahead. I mean, 
there's so much going on now, I realize that this is probably should be put on the back burner, but has there been any thought to amendments for curbing the pardon, the presidential pardons, and for what to do with the DOJ because of, you know, what's happening with Barr? Because I think we need to put on our thinking caps and think about what we're going to do about this for future presidents. Yeah, Donna, thank you. Um, and you're right. We have had conversations, especially, you know, as the president's made some rather strange pardons or talked about pardoning people and uh, obviously DOJ, many problems. But much of that is kind of conversations that seem like they're in the rearview window a little bit because of the urgency that we're dealing with right now with things like the CARES packages. I mean, we're really not even having other legislation available to vote on right now because we're still not back in Washington. Now, I know the intention is next week, if if we are in, and I'll know more by the end of today, but I think we're going to be in to vote on the CARES 2 package. We'll probably have some committees starting to meet again so that we can start getting back to our responsibilities and hopefully figuring out some ways to do oversight remotely, too, because one of the things that they told us originally was we could do Zoom Skype hearings from our offices, but you can do it also from your district. Uh, You don't have to be in Washington, D.C. to do a Zoom meeting, and we need to be doing more oversight, and many of us have been uh, pretty vocal in wanting to get back to that responsibility since we are in a co-equal branch of government, Article 1 in the Constitution branch of government. We need to be able to do that. So, uh, yes, uh, people have discussed some of the things that you mentioned, but honestly, they do appear to be a bit in the back burner given the urgency of uh, COVID packages right now. AJ in Tampa, Florida, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Actually, my call was was kind of just about what you were just talking about. I, in business, a lot of people are using Zoom and Teams and all these other softwares. And I'm just curious, I mean, even even setting aside the COVID thing, the, the green carbon emission aspects of all of you guys traveling back and forth to Washington, it almost seems archaic that that's still what we're doing when we have all this technology that could be used. And I, uh, since Democrats are in charge of the House right now, why isn't anything being presented that would um, change the House rules that would allow for you guys to not only meet remotely, vote remotely, have you know, sessions remotely? It, it almost seems ridiculous. And you guys almost seem kind of detached sometimes from your local constituents because you spend so much time in Washington doing something that you can do remotely. Might that also AJ, not uh, cut the power like of lobbyists? Yeah, well, AJ sounds like a recording of me, um, quite honestly, things mm-hmm. that I say all the time. You know, I've tried to get our schedule actually changed, and unfortunately our leadership doesn't like it, which is to go to, instead of four-day weeks where two of those days are, are flying to and from work, take us to five-day weeks, but two weeks in a row, you might stay over the weekend and actually get to know people, God forbid. But then you're back in your district two weeks a month because, honestly, you have to represent the views of your district in Washington as much as you're explaining Washington back home. And I, I think that we should have more time that you're actually uh, talking to people who are in your district. You're better grounded and you're better dealing with problems. Um, to your actual question, though, AJ, again, things that I've been saying, I, I think our problem is you know, the median age in Congress is about 60. And there are many members who, uh, well, there are some members who still have beepers for when votes come up. All right. Just to give you an idea of the technology challenges we face. And uh, that's been one of the main reasons why we haven't shifted to something that would be using real technology to have hearings like we should. So it's something that is somewhat of a generational fight, but we have had some fights uh, with our leadership on that issue because some members won't be able to access that new technology. I disagree. I think, um, you know, we can set up ways for them to do it, but surely doing nothing is not uh, an effective alternative. So I think we will have some votes next week on it. I don't think it'll go as far as you or I would like, AJ, but um, I think there's some first steps you know, the CPC, we were the first group, the Congressional Caucus, to do a hearing or at least to schedule a hearing to show how you could do this because we were trying to push um, people. Pramila Jaipal and I thought it would make sense to show you could do it successfully. Uh, we're doing one again today, our second one uh, next week. We're going to do one every week. That really is a route we should take because that's what's done by so many other people across the country. Judy in Denver, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. 
Hi, thank you. Mr. Pocan, trillions of dollars have again been given to the corporations as stimulus, and most none of these corporations actually really pay any taxes, and most are located in tax havens. Why should they get a single penny of our ta- of our money to bail them out when they profited to the tune of tens of billions of dollars that just this last year, they should not get a dime. It's the American people that we kept hearing was going to get help this time, but instead you all just went along and bailed out corporations that pay zero taxes. Why does this bull continue? Thank you. Yeah, first, Judy, we got to get the facts right, okay? There weren't trillions for big business. I think there was about $500 billion, not an insignificant amount, but let, let's you know, make sure, because I know some people put some misinformation about um, whatever the Fed did was somehow a congressional action. It's not. Uh, we have nothing to do with the Fed in that way. But I just want to make sure that information is out there. And we did ask for more oversight over the dollars. I think what, you know, the airline industry is an example. I mean, they did need some assistance because no one's flying. And quite honestly, we still use planes to get goods and commerce around the country. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't come with qualifiers. And I completely agree with your sentiment, Judy, uh, that, you know, people who get money shouldn't be able to just give it uh, to big bonuses, uh, use it for stock buybacks. They should have regulations on how uh, their employees are benefiting from it, because that's why we're actually supposedly giving the money to them. But these were priorities for the Senate Republicans, as we were prioritizing unemployment insurance for people uh, who lost their job at no fault of their own, and the small businesses who lost the business at no fault of their own. So there's just a different of priorities between the parties. They fought for that. We fought for some oversight on that. Unfortunately, we didn't get as much as I think you or I would have liked. But I do think it's really important that we use the actual facts that are out there, because when we put numbers or figures out there that don't correspond to what happened, then it's easy for the other side to be able to focus on that rather than the very valid point you're bringing up, Judy, which is why do some of these companies get to do pretty much anything they want with some of the money they're getting when the reason they're getting the benefit is to keep the employment and keep the commerce uh, that in many cases we do need. And, uh, you know, we're still fighting, I think, that battle on the oversight. Dave in Amarillo, Texas. We've got about a minute and a half to the break. Dave, quick question for Congressman Pocan. Okay, they're uh, uh, taking milk and dumping it out. They're throwing eggs away. They're slaughtering, killing pigs and cows. Why doesn't the government buy that and do the same thing they did up until food stamps and do commodities to people? Some of that is happening right now, and some of that actually I think we're introducing a bill later this week to do something uh, specifically around that. But the USDA is buying some of the dump milk and some of the other goods. And because you don't have schools and some of the group meetings, we also have surplus of some other items as well besides uh, dairy and eggs and other things. And they are putting it to food pantries and other places. So some of that has already begun by the Department of Agriculture. But I agree we could be doing it in a much more organized and widespread fashion than we are. I mean, Sonny Perdue is the head of the agriculture, whatever you call it. Yes. Um, is he not? And, you know, yes. why did he wait months to react to this? Why didn't they see this coming? I, you know, honestly, uh, he reacted a little quicker than with some of these other secretaries we've seen. But you're right. I mean, the problem is from the very top. I, I've been on the phone with FEMA extensively lately about getting supplies. Honestly, it's the direction they got from the White House that they have to follow. And because the White House has no direction and didn't want to admit there was a crisis, everything is backed up. So even secretaries, if they wanted to, without the direction from the White House, were unable to. I think once we were able to get the USDA to do what they're doing, uh, they are moving forward on it. But again, all of this is because there's no direction from the White House. Yeah, remarkable. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. You can find Congressman Pocan's website at Pocan, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. Back with more of your calls to Representative Pocan.
Tom Hartman here. My new book, The War on Voting, it should be titled The Republican War on Voting, which is what it really is, Who Stole Your Vote and How to Get It Back. It is the third in the series, the Hidden History series. The first was Guns in the Second Amendment. The second was the Supreme Court, the Betrayal of America. You can check it all out at TomHartman.com. All the information is there. Tom in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Tom, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, Congressman. This isn't just an exercise in rhetoric. Could the, your caucus or the Congress publicly ask for the president's resignation? And, and the reason being is he was notified of this disease in November of 2019. And what did he and Kushner do? They went and looked on a way to make money on this. Specifically, their own testing machines, which were faulty, and that reptilian lubricant, the snake oil, that uh, hydrochloroquine. They look to make money on this. This is insane. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Tom. Um, The problem is I think we have had repeated calls for him to resign, and there's obviously no intention of him to do that. Given that, what we need to focus on is uh, the November election and making sure that he's not reelected. I think he's doing a tremendous job towards that effort. Um, You know, we're seeing some interesting polling in states that we didn't even think we were going to be competitive in, including in the U.S. Senate, places like Iowa and Arizona and and I think it was North Carolina or I forgot the other state I saw. Um, but you're right. I mean, the bottom line is uh, this all started in one place. Uh, the president not dealing with this uh, seriously. We're all paying a tremendous price, uh, 70,000 lives so far. And uh, the fact that he now wants to reopen um, is is really continuing the, the mass uh, casualties that he has caused by his inaction or wrong actions on this. And uh, it is extremely disheartening. Tom, in Arcata, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman. Thank you, Tom. I'm calling because I'm on SSI, and I haven't received my stimulus payment. And I have a defaulted student loan, and I'm concerned that it's going to be seized. Well, I, I can. Uh, here's what I would advise to you, actually, is call your either a member of Congress or Senate, whoever you might have already a relationship with, otherwise start a relationship with them, and see what they can do. One, they can help you on uh, that the stimulus amount uh, of money, so you have to reach out to them for that. And secondly, you should also mention the student loans to them, because as I understand it right now, uh, they're supposed to not be collecting and not having any additional interest bearing now I can't speak. That's probably for federal uh, loans. And if yours is a private bank, it could be a different situation. But it still sounds like the casework that your member of Congress or U.S. senator can help you with. So I think you're just going to have to reach out directly uh, to them, and uh, they will absolutely help you out. This is what our jobs are to do. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable that, uh, by the way, we have 25 seconds. It's remarkable that these that there's so many people who have not yet received these checks. Does that have anything to do with Donald Trump wanting to delay things so that he could send out a letter along with, you know, bragging about that it? Was, yeah, that was some of the delay, um, signing the checks and getting the letters out. Some of the delay was just, you know, not everyone, when they pay taxes, had a direct deposit. Some people didn't pay taxes, so we had to figure out how to deal with that. Um, you know, some of that is that the people that I'm hearing the most from now are usually people in those categories who haven't gotten it. Yeah, well, that makes sense. Congressman Mark Pocan taking your calls for the hour here in our national town hall meeting on the Tom Hartman program. We'll be back with more of your calls for Congressman Pocan in just a moment. Stick around. Hey, we have a new video over at TomHartman.com. On this one, I'm digging into, or actually kind of taking issue with, a new article that's over on um, uh, thenation.com titled, Could Coronavirus End Globalization? And they've got a bunch of analysts who are weighing in on this sort of thing. And my take is that this is going to be even bigger than that. This depression that we are sliding into is being softened right now by the Federal Reserve throwing $6 trillion at America's largest corporations, one-third of all economic activity for a year in the United States, twice the annual federal budget. The Fed has just parked $6 trillion with a couple of hundred big companies. And it's just masking 
what's coming. It's going to get bad, and it could become fascist. And so it's over at TomHartman.com. Check it out. Welcome back, Congressman Pocan, taking your calls. Anthony in Philadelphia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Oh, hello. I have a, a question. It seems to me that we are a very reactive society versus being proactive, and that if we were a proactive society, rather than just having unions, which gives us the ability to respond to the decisions that are made uh, regarding wages, working conditions, impact on the environment by the corporate board, if laborers had 50% control of the corporate board, we would be proactive in making those decisions ourselves. And maybe we could use that to tweak an argument for the Republicans that if we were more involved, we would have less government regulation and therefore smaller government, since we would not decide to poison our own water supply, poison our own land, underpay ourselves, etc. And yeah, uh, this so is, is the that law something in Germany, that you would be way. interested in or not? Or why? Yeah, Thank you. Anthony. Yeah, there have been proposals, Anthony, to try to do with some of this, put more employees on the boards of directors. The Republicans uh, weren't amenable to doing that, but obviously uh, that's a good idea. And we've had people um, recommending that as we're especially giving the funds to businesses to survive right now, uh, we should be getting something in return. And unfortunately, Republicans don't see it that way. But I don't disagree at all with what you're saying, that having employee representation on boards would certainly uh, change uh, much many of the decisions they make, especially when so many corporations are into stock buybacks as opposed to producing products and um, you know really taking care of the sustainability of the company and their employees. Dion in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes, I want to know there's going to be a congressional investigation to the failed Bay of Pigs operation in Venezuela. I don't know anything, Dion, on that offhand. I'm sorry. Okay. It, they've uh, captured a couple of Americans there. Apparently, this was uh, funded by some right-wing billionaires, but, uh, you know, the stories are still coming out. Diane, I mean, Monterey, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. I am concerned with the current rent and mortgage forbearance program. There's the option that most people will be hit with a four-month balloon payment at the end of that time, which they'll be ill-equipped to pay because they haven't been making money. Is there any way that the Congress can force not only the you know, the people who hold the rents, but the people who hold the mortgages and the people who hold the loans to just freeze everything right on up the line so there's not any entity getting hurt because it's all been frozen in place. And then it gets tacked on to the end of the loans instead of there being a possibility of the balloon payment. Yeah, in many ways, uh, Diane, that is the practical practice practice of what many banks are doing. My um, a family member, I'll just say, let's put it that way, is currently in this position where they can't afford uh, their mortgage. They've been laid off, and the bank has them on a holding pattern that will just get added at the end of the loan um, rather than having a, a balloon payment at once. So I think there are some um, things that people can do right now to try to deal with it, but absolutely we need to, uh, as a Congress, deal with rents and mortgages uh, more than what we are. I mean, a big intention of the unemployment surge, the $600, was to make sure that most people were at the median level of income if they were uh, unemployed through no fault of their own. But there's many people who made more than that, and that won't make them whole and be able to afford that mortgage or rent, um, although mostly mortgage at that, that income level. Um, we, d- we do need to address that. But right now, many responsible financial institutions uh, are starting to do that because they understand it as, as well. So, um, yes, uh, we can do more. But the good news is there are some things happening in the private sector that anyone who's in this situation should reach out to their bank and see if that's a viable option. Judy in Arcadia, Wisconsin. You got a quick question for Congressman Pocan, please? Yes. I'm wondering what his thoughts are on the legislature, the Republican legislature in Wisconsin, is taking our governor, Tony Evers, all the way to the Wisconsin Supreme Court because of his shutdown until May 26th. Are any other states doing something like this? Yeah, I can't tell you if other states are having it contested. I, I mean, our big concern is too many states are opening before 
they're really able to, um, even by the president's guidelines, no state is ready to reopen right now. And yet the president is encouraging some of these, I call them idiotic governors uh, who are. I saw a long line of people getting Air Jordans in Atlanta the other day, and uh, surely they're going to have a spike in their COVID cases. In Wisconsin, uh, I'm hoping the Supreme Court will be smarter. If they do, we've got a little time for them to still try to work something out with the legislature. The good news in Wisconsin is our testing is seriously increasing capacity. Uh, Governor Evers is doing a very good job on that, and uh, we will be safer to open at some point. Great. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for dropping by today. Great talking with you, and, and we, you know, our, our listeners really appreciate it. Of course, Tom. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, and have a great day. Be safe. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting. But Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give. But what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are, too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. You're listening to Tom Hartman. And uh, welcome to Tom Hartman University, our club. Today we're reading from Ralph Nader's Breaking Through Power. It's easier than we think. This is from page 74 of the chapter, How the System is Rigged. According to Russell Mokaber, editor of the Corporate Crime Reporter, quote, corporate crime takes far more lives, causes far more injuries and diseases, and steals far more money than street crime. But the vast amount of law enforcement resources, mass media attention, and prison cell blocks are devoted only to street crime. Just consider these preventable casualties. Almost 60,000 annual workplace-related fatalities from both disease and trauma. 54,000 deaths a year from air pollution. Over 100,000 lives lost as a result of medical malpractice. Nearly 100,000 lives lost from hospital-induced infections. Over 100,000 fatalities from adverse effects of drugs. And over 40,000 deaths every year 
due to inadequate or no health care coverage for diagnosis, treatment, and medication. There are far larger numbers of sicknesses and injuries attached to these data sets. These statistics have haunting human faces. Children, women, men, and families destroyed by uncontrollable, monetized minds. Whether they are caused by recklessness, criminal negligence, or worse, the key factors in common are the preventability of such pain and the suffering inflicted from commercially induced neglect, predation, manslaughter, and homicide. By comparison, street and home homicides do not exceed 14,000 lives lost annually. Now see how companies have made sure they have the laws that they need to go after you and how they make sure that the law can be used as their punisher. The giant multi-tiered home mortgage business, now driven by the same one percenters who profited from crashing the economy in 2008, can nail you if you misrepresent information on your mortgage application. Suppose you say you're going to occupy your house as a principal residence to get a lower interest rate and down payment, and you don't for some reason. Lenders can call the loan and demand repayment if the mortgage balance is outstanding. Absent that payment, the lender can seize your home, foreclosure. In addition, by claiming you committed bank fraud, these companies can use the FBI against you. As the veteran housing columnist Kenneth R. Harvey warned, this can trigger severe financial penalties, prosecution, and prison time for ordinary Americans. But how many bankers feel the cold metal of handcuffs tighten on their wrists when their crimes rob American families of their homes and life savings? Health insurance companies have similar supporting laws to deny medical coverage by alleging illegal activities. This could mean anything from non-disclosure of traffic violations to gun accidents, even when there has been no conviction. It could mean something as vague as hazardous behavior, according to the New York Times. If a company paid you and comes back for their money, they can get you prosecuted for fraud. These corporate goliaths are too big to fail, and they know how to enact laws to make sure that you are too small to stop them. Corporate state culture, the plutocracy boom oligarchy, is given an astonishing exoneration, so long as it claims the violence and mayhem are not their direct purpose, but an unfortunate byproduct that just couldn't be helped. Like when innocent people are accidentally killed by U.S. drone attacks, the government seems to quietly get a free pass. It's almost as if corporations get away with a permanent defense of an institutional insanity, a defense going global in terms of deadly supply chains, from horrific African mines to dangerous factories in China, in India, and Bangladesh. Deoxygenation and poisoning of the vast oceans, estuaries, rivers, and lakes upping greenhouse gases into rapid climate destabilization, extending the range of infectious diseases due to habitat and ecological disruption and desecration, and changing the nature of nature itself through unregulated genetic engineering and nanotechnology. Even with six million slow, agonizing deaths a year globally attributed to the tobacco business, cigarettes are still demonically promoted by one percenters who reap staggering profits from selling their addictive and poisonous product especially in developing nations where regulations protecting children do not exist. The excuse is forever that corporatists have no intention, knowledge, or reason to do harmful things. The institutional insanity defense again. Or the manufacturers of weapons of mass destruction, whose militant advertisements say they are just helping the national defense, but are not at all responsible for their products' use in the coercive policies of empire and perpetual war. Is it institutional madness or infantilism? Did the World War II allies let the giant Krupp works in Germany get away with this excuse after the war ended? It's time for people to take away these rationalizations of omnicide from corporations that demand they be legally privileged as persons for their pursuit of profits, but not as persons for our pursuit of them as criminal predators and refugees from justice. In the 2012 U.S. presidential campaign, Republican nominee Mitt Romney asked about corporate personhood, replied that it was a given, saying, hey, corporations are people, my friend, like it was a science fact he learned in fifth grade. This is no mere throwaway line. Billions of dollars of litigating, advertising, marketing, and corporatist commentary have been focused on driving this people image into our minds from childhood. Regularly, full-page ads show that Goliath corporations like Walmart or Lockheed Martin are just people like you. The ads are filled with pictures and names of the faithful workers who bring you goods and services. The book by Ralph Nader, Breaking Through Power. Paul in Benton, Pennsylvania. Hey, Paul, what's on your mind today? Yeah, hi, Tom. 
Uh, you know, going into stores now, you know, it's like we're required to wear masks here in uh, Pennsylvania. And mm-hmm. Pennsylvania, we have a, a Democratic governor, Tom Wolf, and a uh, Democratic lieutenant governor, John Fetterman. And um, the signs on the doors, like, you know, once in a while you come to one, they'll say, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, required to wear a mask. But most of the stores I'm seeing, the signs are saying, like, uh, under the orders of Governor Tom Wolf, you know, you are required to wear a mask, and uh, or by orders of the, the the state governments requiring you to wear a mask, and it's kind of it seems like it's fanning the flames for these you know for these Trumpers and these MAGA hatters because you know everybody feels like they're inconvenienced because they have to wear a mask and uh, you know uh, uh, clean their hands and everything, and you got to stand six feet apart. And uh, it's like these things are it just seems like the way it's worded. It's like so people direct their anger at the Democratic governor, lieutenant governor, and uh, definitely not the Republican legislature. But it's it seems like it's directed at the governor. I've seen, you know, a lot of a lot of things references to, 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 you know, Governor Wolf. And like I said, I just think it's disgusting. It's like, you know, there, there's no limit to how low they could actually go. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, Paul. If I lived in Pennsylvania or, you know, I live here in Oregon, if I saw a sign that said, you know, Governor Kate Brown has ordered that you must wear a mask in this place of business, I would think good on her. So it might have a different effect depending on the audience. But I get, you know, what you're saying that you think that this is politically inspired. I mean, the governor could have included in his executive order that every store must post a sign and that the and that the state of Pennsylvania would supply the sign. And then they come up with a nice little sign that says, thank you so much for helping save lives in Pennsylvania. You know, our our elderly and and vulnerable citizens are very, very appreciative of your wearing a mask when you're in the store or something like that. But still, you'd have right wing, probably, you know, right wing uh, folks posting their, you know, screed against the governor right next to it. But, you know, I I get what you're saying. And, you know, thanks for sharing the story. Liz in Los Angeles. Hey, Liz, what's on your mind today? Hi. Good morning. I'm calling about the article from the L.A. Times. And I had called last week about a program called The Daily that was by the New York Times. Yeah, it's the podcast. Yeah, and it it had addressed the same issue, and it was saying that Jared Kishner was appropriating these things and giving them to his buddies in the medical industry so they could charge whatever they like for the supplies that were, you know, appropriated from the various hospitals and doctors. I had heard so. that, but I thought that was a different process. I thought that what was going on was that the federal government was sourcing medical supplies overseas, principally from China and Europe, that, uh, or from China and South Korea, that they were buying, you know, like millions and millions of dollars worth of stuff. They were competing with New York State and California, particularly the big states, for it and driving the price up on it and, and leaving our, our governors basically screwed. But he was buying that stuff and then turning it over to these uh, medical middlemen here in the United States for resale. And then the governors would have to go in and buy it at you know twice the price or three times the price from these middlemen. That, I think, has been fairly well confirmed. But I think that that and the, uh, you know, the federal agents showing up and stealing stuff from uh, states and existing facilities are two different things. Maybe I'm wrong, Liz. Maybe, maybe it's all the same stuff. Maybe. But maybe whatever it is, check, it's. Check the podcast from last Wednesday on The Daily. I was just trying to Google it while I was on hold. But um, mm-hmm. I'm having with my computer. So I, yeah. I was not able to verify that. I will check that out when I get off the air. Liz, thank you for that. Thanks for the heads up on that. Jean in Austin, Texas. Hey, Jean, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. I really enjoy your show. Thank you. I'm 87 years old, and I'm pretty nervous. First time caller. I wanted to tell you first how I found you. I was uh, always listening to MSNBC. Rachel Meadow is my favorite. And I thought I would check and see what Fox was saying. Well, I went to my guide, and I saw FSTV. I thought it was a box, and uh, I found you, so I've been very happy with that. But ah, uh, the main thing great. I wanted to talk, talk about was I was listening to um, Meet the Press Daily, and uh, Chuck was interviewing 
Colin Arnold. He's the City of New Orleans Director of Homeland Security and Emergency Preparedness. And they were talking about PPEs. And uh, he told Chuck, he said, uh, that they had put in an order for PPEs in November when we first saw this coming. And uh, I had never heard anybody mm. say November before. But anyway, I thought I'd throw that out to wow. you and tell you where I got it. I know they're trying to find out who knew what yeah. when. But anyway, thank yeah. you so much well, for thank the you show. Uh huh. Bye bye. Okay, thank you, Gene. It, that's fascinating. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Save on Cox Internet when you add Cox Mobile and get fiber-powered internet at home and unbeatable 5G reliability on the go. So whether you're playing a game at home yes, cool. or attending one live, no! you can do more without spending more. Learn how to save at cox.com slash internet. Cox Internet is connected to the premises via coaxial cable. Cox Mobile runs on the network with unbeatable 5G reliability as measured by Ookla LLC in the U.S. to H2023. Results may vary, not an endorsement of the restrictions apply.